Now uh, I'm going to invite Oliver to come forward on the screen and read our scripture reading for this morning's service. Our reading today is from 2 Corinthians 9, 1-15. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty. In this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift. You have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. The point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency, in all things at all times. He may be abound in every good work, as it is written. He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing with many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution to them and for all others, will they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Good morning. My name is Howard McPhee. Now today, our message will focus on the first 11 verses of chapter 9. The, ver the <clears throat> words that you just heard read to you. Now, for those of you who are here today who have embraced by faith uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And thus, as followers of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ have been raised 
as a new man, as a new woman, wonderfully forgiven and richly empowered by the Holy Spirit to participate in the church's mission, which is to proclaim the kingdom of God, God's rule in the city of Toronto, which is to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. Uh, Now, as participants in the church's mission, you have the privilege and the responsibility to not only support the church's mission to proclaim the kingdom of God and to declare Christ crucified and resurrected, to support that mission not only with your time, yes, and your talents, your gifts, yes, but also with your money. You as participants in the mission of the church here in Toronto in the world, you have the privilege and responsibility of supporting financially the church's gospel mission with gospel financial giving. Now, there may be someone here, maybe many, who are investigating the Christian faith. They are thinking about what would be involved in committing oneself to Jesus Christ. And if you are here along those lines, we are very happy that you are here and trust that this will be not only an enjoyable time, but a profitable time for you. But as you reflect upon what might be involved in committing your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus reminds you that you must count the cost. He reminds you that you must count the cost. And today we are going to look at one of the several costs that are involved in following Jesus. Now in chapter 8, that we looked at in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians that we looked at last week and in chapter 9 that we are going to look at today the apostle Paul the apostle Paul has uh, in a rather extensive and detailed discussion addressed the subject of gospel giving to the church's mission. As he, as he takes up this subject, he outlines principles that govern and promote generous gospel giving. He 
he addresses those, he outlines those principles, he outlines those principles in relation to a project that was dear to his heart, that is the relief collection for the poor in the church in Jerusalem. But those principles are not only applicable, these principles are not only applicable to the giving to the poor, but to, uh, to all aspects of supporting financially the church's mission in the world. In the opening, in the opening chapters, in the opening verses of chapter 9, we learn that the Corinthian church the Corinthian church had enthusiastically committed itself to support uh, that collection for the poor in the Jerusalem church, and that through the Apostle Paul, the believers in Macedonia had heard of the Corinthians' commitment, which stirred them to co enthusiastically commit to the Jerusalem project. Now, the Corinthians had, uh, that is those in Achaia, for that's where the Corinthian church was located, the Corinthians had been rather slow. They had made very little progress in bringing their commitment to this collection to actual completion. And uh, the Apostle Paul thought it was wise to send Titus and two others to go to Corinth and organize and help the Corinthians bring their collection, their giving, to completion. So that when the Apostle Paul came to Corinth to pick it up, and he would be coming probably with those from Macedonia, when he came to pick it up, it would be ready so that he would have, there would be no embarrassment for him and for the Corinthians themselves. Now, to encourage and to guide the Corinthians in their financial giving to the Jerusalem project and to encourage and guide you and me in our gospel giving, our financial giving to the church's mission, he appeals to an agricultural principle in the form of a proverb or aphorism. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
The Apostle Paul has in mind the ancient Near Eastern farmer who would take his bag of seed over his shoulder and would go out into his field to sow that seed. Now, when the ancient Near Eastern farmer went out into the field to sow his seed, he would not take out a bag, a seed here, and a couple of seeds here, and a couple of seeds there. Not at all, for he would not, he would not be not interested in doing that because he would have a very sparse harvest. No, the Near Eastern farmer, or the ancient Near Eastern farmer would, would, would put his hand in his bag and he would bountifully spread his seed this way and that way, here and there, wherever he could, throughout his field, that he might reap a bountiful harvest. And so the apostle's point is that uh, the follower of Jesus uh, is, is like that farmer who sows his seed bountifully, generously. In other words, the follower of Jesus is to sow his seed bountifully and generously. And the sowing of his seed, of course, is, is that <clears throat> sowing from what he has been, or the financial resources he has, that bountiful giving to the church's mission in the world. That bountiful, generous giving to the, to the church's mission in the world, that he might reap a bountiful harvest, that he might reap a blessing not only for himself, but that he might reap a blessing for all of the recipients of his generous giving. Paul's point is that like that ancient farmer, the Christian, the follower of Jesus Christ, is to generously, bountifully support the mission of the church financially that he might reap a bountiful harvest for himself and others. Now, the question arises, it seems to me, yes, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm to give generously. Gospel giving is generous giving. But what is generous giving? How, what is generous giving? What is it that makes gospel giving generous? Well, first of all, gospel giving is, is not a certain amount. Not a certain amount. Say $10,000 or $20,000. Well, for some, an amount might be a very generous gift. And for others, it might not be generous at all. You see, generous giving is proportionate giving. We read, when Paul first instructed the Corinthians 
as to how to support his Jerusalem project. He said in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, that they were to support it according to how the Lord has prospered them. And in what we read last week in chapter 8, we are to give according to our means, according to our needs, our means, according to our ability. Generous giving is proportionate giving. And then, generous giving has an element, as we will see, of sacrifice to it. Generous giving, as we will see, has an element of sacrifice. It's sacrificial giving. And then, as we read in our passage here, generous giving is a decision that is made in one's heart. A decision made in one's own heart. And it is not to be made by, according to outside pressure, perhaps to impress people or a feeling of guilt or whatever, nor is it to be begrudging or reluctant, begrudgingly or reluctantly. Rather, it is to be a decision made in one's cheerful heart so that it is a cheerful giving. For the Lord loves a cheerful giving. The follower of Jesus finds joy in generous giving because it delights the Lord. It pleases Him. And a follower of Jesus finds joy in giving in terms of the fellowshipping he has with the Lord in supporting the Lord's cause in the world. So what makes generous giving generous? It is proportionate to the resources, the financial resources that the Lord has given you. And it is sacrificial giving, and it is cheerful giving. Now again, we might ask, why? Why is giving, why do we give generously as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, we give generously as followers of Jesus Christ because we have been profoundly impacted and transformed by the sacrificial love of Jesus. That Jesus Christ, who although existed as the Word, as the eternal God, glorious in His splendor, creator of all things, reigning and ruling all things, that Jesus Christ entered into the world as the great God-man in a feeding trough in a small town in Bethlehem, and then journeyed down into the darkness, journeyed into the darkness of that ancient cross at Calvary, and there taking the sins of people like you and like me upon himself, offered himself up in our place Satisfying the penalty for our sins, satisfying the divine justice, and removing the divine wrath, that, as the resurrected Lord, He might make us rich with the riches of eternal life. Our giving is to be generous 
for it is to reflect the profound blessing that Christ has bestowed upon us. Our giving is to be generous because Christ was so generous in his giving unto making us rich. Now, generous giving isn't easy. It's extremely challenging. It's true. And so, Paul reminds us The generous giving involves trusting God. Involves trusting God. He drives home that point in these words. And and God is able to make all grace, that's all gracious blessing, abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, one of the challenges of giving generously is that as we give generously, we're a little concerned perhaps about will we have enough to meet our upcoming expenses? But Paul reminds us that God, God is able to make all gracious blessing abound to us. We must keep thinking about that. We must prayerfully pray that the Spirit will impress that upon our hearts as we think about giving, as we think about giving, as we actually commit to giving generously. We must keep in mind prayerfully that God is able, God is able to make us abound, to make all grace, blessing abound to us so that we will have all, he emphasizes, sufficiency. We will have everything that we need to meet our upcoming expenses. We must keep that in mind. We must prayerfully pray that the Spirit will impress upon us, that we will have sufficient for our needs. And Paul goes on to say, we will not only have sufficient for our needs, but we will have sufficient that we will be, still be able to generously give to every kind of good work. A generous giving takes a lot of thought and a lot of prayer if we are going to give 
generously, if we are going to give that reflects Christ's great giving of himself for people like you and me. Now, the Apostle Paul goes on in in verse 10. And he, he makes a very interesting point. And to be honest, I have found this point uh, somewhat perplexing and challenging. He says in chapter 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Well, he says there, apparently, he says, in the world that God, the God, in the world that God has created, even in its fallen condition, God provides the sower, the farmer, actually, this key, the farmer, the sower, with seed to sow. The farmer, he provides a seed for sowing. And out of that sowing, the Lord provides bread to eat for the farmer. And then Paul goes on to say, in the world that God has created, even in its fallen condition, that that God who provides for the farmer in that way will, will not only supply your seed, and here he means supply your financial resources, but he will multiply them, he will increase them so that you will be able to give, have an increased generous giving. God will multiply your financial resources, and the purposes of multiplying your financial resources, he emphasizes here, is that you might give even more generously to God's mission in the world. Well, uh, I think we have to keep something in mind. That Paul is speaking here about a general tendency. That is, in the world God has made it, made, a fallen world, yes, the general tendency is that God will increase your financial resources for giving, for gospel giving, to the cause of God in the world. Now, I say it's a general tendency because in the providence and purpose of God for you, in God's providential purpose for you, he may often, especially for New Testament believers, He may often bring certain hardship, suffering, 
persecution for whatever purposes he has for you in one way or the other, he will bring things into your life that may cause your financial resources a great setback and you may find yourself with less financial resources, but still enough, as we've said, to give generously because generous is not the actual amount, but is in relationship to what you have got or received. So Paul is making that point. It's a general tendency that your supply will increase for Christian giving. You see, the church and the Christians in the church in Jerusalem might have wondered what Paul was saying here. They have, been, they have experienced a severe famine over a period of time and they are largely destitute. And uh, the church and uh, the church in uh, the Christians in Macedonia might say, well, look, uh, who have suffered, it seems, uh, severe persecution, and they are described as uh, desperately poor, although they have enough to give generously, enough to give generously. The promise always is, the promise always is that God will give you sufficient for your needs and to give generously because it isn't the amount, it's the relationship of the gift to the amount you have received from God. But nevertheless, the general tendency is that there, your, your financial resources would increase, that you might give more, that you might have an increased harvest of righteousness, that you might have an increased blessing for you and for others. Now, you may, uh, we will perhaps, and maybe this is not as much a problem for you as for me, but you may help, if you're having a problem with sort of grasping this, it may help to look at another scripture, and we could look at a number of them. But one of the ones that appeals to me is, the Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 6, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Well, you know, uh, we probably all know some children who were obedient to their parents, honored their parents, and yet, not everything went well with them. And they did not live a long life. They may have been cut off at a very young age. I know several who have been cut off at a very young age. Tragically, children don't make it. Even those who have been good children obeying the commandment to obey their parents and honor their parents. You see, but what Paul is saying here is that the general tendency in the world that God has made, even in its fallen condition, the general tendency is that, is that obedience, honoring your parents, promotes well-being, leads to well-being, and a long life. But in the providence and wisdom of God, there are often tragic setbacks. Now, I think what Paul is getting at in verse 10, when he says, 
that God will multiply your resources for increasing, for multiplying your generous giving is that is that this, well, let me back up a bit. Perhaps there's someone here, probably there is here. Perhaps there's many of you who have experienced this promise, this word. Perhaps there's many of you who have found that over time, wow, the Lord has increased, multiplied your financial resources. They are quite large in compared to where they were a while back. Well, if, you're, if you are in that position, what I think Paul is getting at here, what the boy he brings it up here is, that if you are in that position, you've experienced a rather large increase over time in your financial resources, that the Lord has given that to you, that increase to you, not to hoard, not to save, not to hoard and build bigger barns as your focus, but to give generously. That is, generously is in terms of its relationship to this increased resources that you have. Give generously to the cause of Jesus Christ, the mission of the church, the glory of God in the city of Toronto and the world much wider. Well, you know, I personally found this passage very, very searching, very difficult, very challenging. And, uh, you know, it's really caused me to think about, really think about, as one has been so wonderfully loved by Jesus, and to some degree, although it's probably quite small, loves Jesus, to think about my finances and whether or not my giving is generous. Now you may be finding it challenging this morning. You may be finding it hard. Some of you may not like the idea of even talking about money. But the Apostle Paul sends two chapters for you about giving. It certainly was something he thought was important to talk about. And so I would suggest that you would take note of what was said today and that you would go home and over the next days, weeks, and months, you would prayerfully think about your giving to the cause of Jesus Christ. Prayerfully think what would be generous giving for you in relationship to what the Lord has given you financially. Amen.
Well, as you know, as you know, as you can see, uh, they only let me out of the old age home to <laughs> preach. <laughs> All right, well. And, uh, These Koreans have trouble recognizing their elders. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. Now, I'll admit, as I said sort of last week, perhaps you wish that I, they were a little stricter at the old age home and let fewer out. Okay, let's go. Okay. First question. It's a long one. Does Christian giving include giving to non-Christian works or organizations like uh, rescue uh, animals or uh, university alumni? Or should we only be giving to our church home or Christian organizations and works? Also, part two. Or let's, let's start with okay. part Okay. That's a good question, whoever asked it. I, I wish I had a thought about that like for this sermon. Uh, first of all, it's up to you to decide in your heart what you will do with the resources God has given to you. I want to make that clear. All I can possibly give you is an opinion. Just an opinion. Just a thought to reflect upon. That's a very important principle. You, in, Paul says, in your heart, decide what you will give keeping in mind that you will answer to Jesus Christ on that great day when you stand before him for the decision you have made. You won't answer to me, you will answer to him. Now, the, I would say personally, personally, I would say yes. That some of your giving, I would say the majority of your giving will go to the cause of Jesus Christ. But I would say, of course, there may be things <clears throat> that you would like to support. Uh, you are here for the city. If you know, this church is in the city for the city. And that's not only that must mean that to some degree we're in the city financially, for the city financially. And so we may want to contribute to the well-being of the city, not only by preaching the gospel, but we might also want to support good things in the city of Toronto. So I would say yes. I would think the bulk of your money or the majority of your money would go to the cause of Christ, but there would be money that you, want, that you if you decide to, to give to good works in the city of Toronto or somewhere else. Thank you. And part two is uh, specifically in terms of tithing. Is the tithe only to be given to the church you call home, or can the tithe also be given to God's work on earth, like to missionaries or to other churches if you're not home? Well, once again, the decision is up to you in your heart. I can only give a personal opinion. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know if we, you'll have to tell me how much time we have. Um, I'm keeping I only track. get out so often, so. Um, uh, you're giving, what was the question again? Tithing. 
uh, does tithing only have to be at your home church, or could it be? Could tithing be to like missionaries or? You make other? the decision. I think a substantial portion it should be for the church that you're in, but I think it could be given to wider other Christian agencies and agencies in the world that you think the non-Christian agencies. Thank you. Um, next question is um, in Toronto. Uh, we may look on financial circumstances and think we're less well-off compared to other city dwellers because the price, uh, the cost of living is so expensive here. Life can be difficult and expensive, but compared to the globe, uh, to the rest of the world, we're very rich indeed. How can we cultivate a greater understanding of our own capacities to give? <laughs> well, that's way too hard for me. <laughs> that's the issue. That's the issue. That's a good question. That's why I say, all I can say is, go home. <laughs> well, sorry, go home. Think about it. I don't think many people think about it. Prayerfully think about it. Give a lot of attention to it. A lot of attention to it. We'd, often I hear people, I give my time, I give my talents, of course you do, and somehow we dismiss giving our money. No, money is wonderful. And it's wonderful to Jesus and his cause. And other people benefit from it. And so, the question I think is, what? Uh, um, sorry, I just... Oh, it, it, how can we um, reframe our understanding of our approach? You go home, together? and you go home, and you go home. If you don't go home and prayerfully think about your resources in relationship to generous giving, you shouldn't have come here today, uh, unless you're an unbeliever. <laughs> and we're very happy to have you come here. However, Count the cost. Some of these people, I suspect, are finding the cost of following Jesus very challenging. So if you are an unbeliever, thinking about Christ, we're very happy to know. But Jesus says, count the cost. Prayerfully think about it. Today, throughout this week, throughout these months, you should be thinking and evaluating prayerfully for the Spirit's guidance as to what is for me, living in Toronto, expensive Toronto, what is generous giving. Thank you. I think that's well, I it have. for our time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can, I, can I answer more? Sure, maybe we have time for one more. Yeah. No, I, I wanna... I, The, the person, uh, 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 you can sit down. The person, the person who asked one of those questions said, my tithe, should it go da 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 da. In the Old Testament, the people gave a tithe, 10% as an expression of their gratitude to God for his goodness to them and the abundance he was giving to them. The New Testament, as far as I can see, does not require or set a certain amount or a certain percentage as generous giving. 
10%, a tithe, for some might be extremely generous. And 10% for others might be not generous at all, might be quite miserly. However, although the New Testament, in my opinion, does not, some people disagree, does not set a specific amount or a specific percentage, 10%, I do think this, in my own personal experience, that it is that 10%, practically speaking, is very helpful as a guide. As a guide. Very helpful as a guide. And when you do go home, and you might think about that guide, 10%. And if you find yourself falling way below 10%, think about, well, maybe I should try and work towards it. And if you find yourself, if 10% uh, and you're giving 10%, you might think to yourself, hmm, I wonder what generous giving. Maybe I ought in the power of the Spirit work at giving more. 10% is only a guide. It can be amount very generous or it can be amount very miserly. That's why Paul doesn't speak about an amount or a percentage because he wants generous giving that flows out of a heart that has been profoundly transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected for you and for me. I'm sorry for taking so long. Stephen is really upset. <laughs> okay, uh, what do we do next? Song. Okay. Well, thank you, Howard, uh, for making me look <laughs> like this authoritarian person. <laughs> but um, in light of uh, the message uh, that Howard spoke to us about, about generous giving, generosity that flows out of our reception, our experience of grace in Jesus Christ, uh, let us now respond uh, with this prayer of reflection together.